Well, I'm just wanting to speak on a wonderful passage from John 4. Now, it is terribly familiar. Uh, If you've got a Bible or you've got a a phone, uh, do go to the text. I'm not going to read it all because it's a long story. But uh, it's a very familiar story. And I just felt when we were singing those songs, I love that one, what a beautiful name it is. But there was a phrase that struck me so powerfully. You didn't want heaven without us. You brought heaven down. I believe that's the gospel. (laughs) I believe God's heart is to bring heaven down, to make it accessible to every person. And this story is a wonderful illustration of actually Jesus opening up the gates of heaven to those who were excluded by the Jews. And uh, it may be a very familiar story to us, uh, but it has huge significance. It's, it's about, as I said, Jesus bringing the kingdom of heaven uh, to a, a group of people, a, na- a nation really of people called the Samaritans, And and the Jews hated the Samaritans. Uh, They were unclean. They were part of of Israel that stayed behind in the exile. And therefore they didn't, they weren't kosher. And you know, when Jesus sent his disciples out uh, on that first mission, the 12 he sent out, he gave them an explicit instruction in Matthew 5 Do not go to the Samaritans. Go only to the children of Israel, for the bread is for them. And in this story, it starts off with um, Jesus learned that the Pharisees uh, had heard that John the Baptist was making more disciples than Jesus. And uh, prompted, I think, by the Spirit, he he went away because he doesn't want to be competing. (laughs) He wants to be welcoming. And, uh, and uh, he was going back to Galilee. And against the instructions he gave to the disciples, first of all, he, he, he went through Samaria because that was the direct route to, to Galilee. And he came to this uh, well of Jacob uh, at a village called Sychar. Um, not a familiar place, not a, not a great name about it. But Jacob's well was there. And you know the story of Jacob. And uh, Jacob had an amazing encounter with God on one or two occasions. And so the well spoke of that encounter with God, uh, which would be familiar uh, both to the Jew and Samaritan. And when he came to that well, he was tired. And his disciples went off uh, to get some food supplies. Uh, And and Jesus went to this well and uh, he sat by the well. And a Samaritan woman came to the well. Now again, knowing the culture of that time, uh, a man would not look into the eyes of a woman, a strange woman. A man, if a woman came to that well, he would withdraw 20 feet from the well. Uh, He would not engage 
with, with the, the person who was there. And so um, Jesus uh, breaks all the conventions, all the rules of Judaism. I love that. You know, religion has so many rules and yet thou shalt, you ought, etc. And many Christians and many outside are dying of autism. I mean, O-U-G-H-T. Um, because, you know, we've been brought up uh, by rules rather than grace. And so this woman comes and Jesus says to her, give me a drink. Give me a drink. Now this would be unheard of for a man to ask a woman for a drink who he didn't know and especially who was a Samaritan. And um, so, so Jesus has come to this well, to this place. And I ask myself the question, why did he go through Samaria? Why did he make this journey through Samaria rather than going the usual route, avoiding Samaria? I believe that prompted by the Spirit, he sensed that actually there was something God was doing in this place. And what he saw in this woman, which no one else would have seen, was that there was a, an incredible hunger in her heart. She tried to find and satisfy that hunger through love. Uh, she had five husbands, and the one she was now with was not her husband. But she could not find that love which really satisfied. And, and when Jesus met this woman, I just sensed, because he had that prophetic awareness, I just sensed that he knew that there was something God was doing in this person's heart. Now, this woman was excluded. She was lonely. She was isolated. She was an outcast. But God didn't see her like that. And in this story, we see how God sees people. And he sees what's in the heart, not the addictions that they've been struggling with. He sees where there is a cry and a hunger. And you know, hunger is so significant. Hunger calls forth from God what may be for another time into this very moment. Because actually, this whole community came to faith in Christ. This was before the cross. This was before his resurrection. This was before Pentecost. It was pro-Kairos. It was before time. But hunger often draws from God something that is before time. And so the story uh, goes on. And when he meets this woman, he's thirsty. He needs a drink. He's had a long walk to this village. Uh, and through the hot sun, this was at midday. And again, you see, women would go to collect water from the well, but they would go at dawn or at dusk when it wasn't too hot. Only a bad woman would go at midday because the sun was at its highest. And so Jesus asks her, give me a drink. And there's something lovely about this about Jesus that actually there's a vulnerability about Jesus. He doesn't, he doesn't pontificate from on high. He comes down to where we are. This woman would never have been touched 
by religion because it just condemned her, it judged her. But Jesus sat on that well. And even though she said, you wouldn't drink from my bucket, it's unclean. But Jesus breaks through those conventions because they don't matter in terms of the kingdom of God. And so uh, he's willing to ask her for help. There's a vulnerability about him. And uh, it's, it's wonderful what he does. Uh, He's saying, I'm weak, I need help, can you help me? And you know, sometimes it's good for us as God's people to acknowledge that, that we need each other's help. I don't believe we will make it on our own. And I believe even in the community that God has placed us, sometimes it's important that we can recognize that others can give us help. And, and support us. And so he asks for help. And a wonderful Sri Lankan uh, theologian has put it this way, the only way to build love between two people or two groups is to be so related to each other as to stand in need of each other. There's something very, very powerful in that statement. And so... So Jesus was asking this woman for help. We know something about the woman, and I've just said some of those things. But the woman is shot by his request, give me a drink. And Jesus uh, says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying this to you, uh, you would ask not only to give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water he would have given you something that satisfied your whole person and so so uh, he gives that challenge to her now the Samaritans uh, really believed that the Torah uh, was for the Jews but the law and the prophets was their book But Jesus is saying, it's not a book that matters, it's a person. And it's in Jesus that she is going to find the living water that she was really thirsty for. The woman loves the idea of magic water. (laughs) But he had gone on to say, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But he who drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. She loves the idea of magic water, but the idea that she could be a spring of water to give something to others is way outside of her understanding and thinking. And you know, I believe as as church and Christians, There's something very important for us to grasp here. You know, there may be even people in church who come with a load of oughts and and senses of failure where they've got things wrong. And and they, they, they sometimes feel, God wouldn't want to be near me. God wouldn't want to be near me. I believe there are many outside the church that feel they can't come here because they feel God wouldn't want to be near them. 
this woman must have been such a person. And she's going to discover something so utterly wonderful. The gift that God was going to give her was that Jesus brought her from being condemned and judged and outcast, a rejected woman, to one who was welcomed, to one who was overwhelmed by the love of God. What a transfer that was. He's transferred us from the authority of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And she received love, mercy and grace that was life-changing. Her, her journey to discover that, though, started with facing the truth. You see, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And she couldn't really access this spring without facing the truth of where she was. But to face that was not to be condemned. It was to be released. And she said, uh, Jesus said, go and fetch your husband and come back. The command to fetch her husband exposed the relational disconnect and dysfunction in her life. You see, sexuality had been a means of trying to find and discover love. And uh, if she was to taste the living water, she could only do so on the basis of truth. She says, I have no husband. How gracious Jesus is in the answer. You speak the truth. <laughs> you are a truthful person. You've had five husbands. And the one that you have now is not your husband. You know, the, the truth. And rather than being condemned, she's going to be released into life. If the Samaritan was to taste this, then she had to face uh, where she was. And you know, I believe Jesus is challenging her mindset. She, in her mindset, she was a person who was excluded. She was a no-hoper. She was an outcast. She was unclean. That was her mindset. And Jesus is saying, if you taste this living water, you will become a spring for others. You've been a net receiver, but now you will be a net giver. What a, what a transformation. And uh, he, he talks with her. And she tries to change the subject by an ideological discussion about worship. But he won't have it. And he leads her uh, to actually uh, uh, to, to know who he is. You see, the Samaritans <coughs> uh, anticipated that the Taheb, T-A-H-E-B, converter, was their, their Messiah. And that he would come one day and he would be a second Moses. And when she said this, Jesus says, I who am speaking to you am he. There was no contradiction in her heart. There was a kind of inner spring that was released. And a transformation took place. And this person who had been someone who was sucking life from others became someone who ran to her city to give what she had been given. This is mission. She couldn't do that before because she was clogged up. 
the well had to be opened. And then she became uh, a person who went to her, her community and uh, said to them, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And God is doing something wonderful in this woman. As I believe God is doing something wonderful in many hearts here today. And so she goes to her city and uh, they come en masse to hear Jesus. Uh, and first of all, uh, they say, uh, let me just see. Um, they, they say, um, They say, uh, we, we've come, we've believed because of what you've said to us. Now, I mean, just imagine, it must have been an incredible transformation that this woman who dared not look at the community of which she was a part was telling them her story, which had incredible impact on that whole community. And they come on the basis of her witness of her testimony. They come to listen to this man who's the great intruder. <laughs> you know, if you're on the outside, it's wonderful to be invited to the inside. And, and when they hear Jesus, they say, we not only believe because of what you've said, we believe that this person is the savior of the world. And that phrase was used in the Roman times of the Caesars. But here, in the Samaritans, it's used of Jesus. And so uh, she comes uh, to discover this for herself. You see, when Jesus sees hunger operating, he wants to meet it. And you know, I believe there's so many outside in our community that we're connected with who actually may not exhibit hunger, but in their hearts, they're hungry for meaning. They're hungry for identity. They're hungry for love. I love this. The great Eastern father, Ephraim, the Syrian, wrote of this story. This is what he said. At the beginning of the conversation, Jesus did not make himself known to her, but first she caught sight of a thirsty man and then a Jew, and then a rabbi, and afterwards a prophet, and last of all, the Messiah. She tried to get the better of the thirsty man. She showed dislike of the Jew. She heckled the rabbi. She was swept off her feet by the prophet. She adored the Christ. That's the heart of what it is to be a Christian. It may involve great struggle, but actually it is to come to know the one who truly loves us. And you know, someone said to me the other day, uh, which I found very, very powerful, there are only two loves that really satisfy. There's the love that God has for us. And that's a love that we can receive. Anyone can receive. It's open to everybody. But there's also the love that we have for ourselves. 
And if we don't, if we haven't come to that place where we're able to love ourselves with all our weaknesses and inadequacies, then the spring has not too much to give. And uh, this woman made that discovery. Uh, so this was the wonderful exchange that took place. The woman was a changed person because she tasted this living water. And you know, when the disciples came back and they saw Jesus talking with this woman, uh, they were surprised. And uh, Jesus said to them, do not say four months more, then comes the harvest. I tell you, look around and see, the fields are ripe for harvest. You see, Jesus saw a harvest field in this woman at the well. But he saw beyond that to a harvest field in this whole city of Sychar. And the one was the key to the other. And that's how evangelism really works. And the section closes with them experiencing that love of God. I want to uh, just uh, finish really with a story and, and a challenge. I, I was um, woken up or, or, no, received a knock on the door um, about three or four weeks ago. <clears throat> and the lady was uh, a neighbor and said, I hope you weren't um, woken up by the ambulance that came for my husband who was having difficulty breathing. And I said, no, we didn't hear it, but um, we'd love to, to pray for him. And she said, I would appreciate that. And he went into ITU at the JR in Oxford. And Annie and I had driven down to London on the, the Monday. And when we were driving back, uh, Annie got a text from this lady <coughs> saying that he's got worse and uh, he's, he's on a ventilator, uh, his oxygen levels and blood levels are dropping, and the consultant in the ITU has said to us, we need to prepare for the worst. Now, this man is just two or three years older than my son, Tim, and he has children of the same age. And there was something inside us that rose up and said he, he cannot die. You know, and um, uh, we, we uh, text back saying we'd pray and we would uh, ask others in the church to pray. They're not church members, but they're lovely people. And um, I, I remember uh, I went to the, the house and she was at the hospital with her husband and I said to the sister, I would like to go and visit because when we're driving back, both Annie and I had the prompting almost at the same time that I should go and pray for him um, in the ITU. And uh, so um, I, I went to the ITU that evening at about 10.15 and uh, they actually uh, opened the door and I was allowed in but then they came to vet me and they said they didn't know anything about me even though I was in a dog collar and everything. And I said, well look, I'm the next door neighbor to this man, I, I'm going to ring his wife and you can talk to her because I think she would like me to pray. And uh, the result was that that was okay. And I went in and he was laid out with tubes all over the place. 
um, <clears throat> and very, very seriously ill. And I just anointed him with oil in the name of Jesus, a, a sign of God's healing power. And I, I spoke to the infection in his lungs, in the name of Jesus, be broken. And I just prayed for a few minutes, maybe less than 10 minutes in all, and then left to go home. And the next morning, about 9.30, there was a loud knock on the door. And uh, the, the lady came in, and she just hugged me. And said, uh, John, at 12 o'clock, his, his oxygen levels increased. And he was taken off critical. And um, then the, the induced coma was released, uh, was, was stopped, and slowly he was going to be brought back. And the, the medics said it sometimes takes 12 to 24 hours for that to take place. And they're usually very disorientated. And uh, she said he was awake in seven minutes. <laughs> and uh, he, there was a whiteboard. He was, he was doing sign language, but there was a whiteboard and he wrote on this whiteboard, I love my three children and named them. And then his wife's name was at the bottom and she said, I could cope with that. <laughs> but you know, I believe that family was touched with the love of God. And I believe there's so many opportunities that are out there for us. People really so often are so hungry for prayer. You know, I'll finish with this stupid story, but the other neighbors had a dog who was savaged by four dogs. And they married later and they've got no children, but this little dog is a treasure to them. And I, I went round to, to say, I, I'm sorry, I heard your dog was savage. And his life was on the edge. And uh, I just said, I, I said to her, uh, could I pray for the dog? You know, vic vicars aren't taught to pray for dogs in theological college. <laughs> but when they get into real life, they realize how important it is. <laughs> and I, I just knelt down and laid hands on this dog and uh, got up, and when I looked around, she was in tears. There are so many opportunities for us, you know, but sometimes our mindset needs to be changed. The mindset that things, oh, they would never become a Christian, or no, uh, they wouldn't understand. That's our mindset, it needs to be changed. Jesus saw people as hungry, and he opened the gate of heaven for them. You didn't want heaven without us, so you brought heaven down. And dear friends, that's our mission, to be agents of God's kingdom and to bring the love of God to those around us. And sometimes we may need to change our mindset. Sometimes we may need to taste that living water afresh so that we are a spring for others. And I just felt as I close, I just felt the Lord saying this to me, my people, it's harvest time. Don't you see the hunger out there? Go in my name and bring, 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 sorry, be a spring for others. I want you to see it 
I want you to reap what has been sown over many years. You may be the second or third witness to that person of Jesus. You are reaping where others have sown. There's a harvest field out there. Let's gather it for the Lord. Amen.